right, hello everybody and welcome to the year that was dot 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 this year. The year that we're discussing right now is 1997. I'm your host, Aaron Maxson, along with my co-host all the time, Nate Maxson. Hello! And first timer on the show, Mark Brew. How's it going? All right, how about you? Oh, I'm all right. Just got off of work, ready to relax, drink some fucking tall boys, and talk about some fucking good era wrestling. Um, yeah. Uh, if anybody is new to the show, what we do is we're going week by week discussing WCW and WWF um, episodes, not talking about the news of the show of what's going on, because we already have a show on our network for that uh, slice of time with Nate Maxson. And um, we're not discussing ECW because we all already have an ECW review show, Reliving the Extreme, with myself and Chad Austin. So it's just... The Monday Night Wars, basically, right now in 1997. Um, unless you guys have anything you want to hype or talk about at the top of the show, we can get your plugs in at the end if that's how you'd rather do it. It's up to you guys. Anything? Um, I, I recently <laughs> discovered the Reliving the Extreme, and I will say it's become a daily uh, happenstance in my day. I appreciate that. It was we we think we think it's the funniest podcast in wrestling. <laughs> it, it's hilarious. It's like the chemistry between you guys and Chad is just like over the top. I, I appreciate that. That was kind of my it's kind of my baby with this network. Um, obviously, this show's important to me too. But reliving the extreme that's the that's the first idea I ever had that I gave Nate, where I wasn't just a fucking drunk tag along. I was like, I have this idea and we're going to do it. And it actually worked and I'm actually proud of it. So, um, it's pretty gold. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to discuss the WWF in your house, revenge of the taker pay-per-view, which happened on April 20th, 1997 in Rochester, New York. Um, but before we do that, we're just going to kind of set the, set the, the mood or the what was going on at this time with a couple top 10 lists. Um, so this might be like, you know, if the wrestlers had some downtime and they were going to go see a movie, it might be one of the movies they went and saw, or if they're driving down the road, drinking their beers, it might be some of the songs they're singing because it's the top 10 songs at this, that were on the radio at this week and the top 10 movies in theaters that were on, that were going on in this week. What do you guys want first, the movies or the songs? I'm a music guy, so yeah, let's go with the songs. Music. All right. Um, and you want number one, or you want to start from the bottom, or go start oh, from the top? You got you got you got to do it, Casey Kasem style. You got to right. go from to, from number ten to number one. All right. So the number the number ten song starting out of this week was "I Believe I Can Fly" by R. Kelly. Well, oh that has God. that hasn't aged well. <laughs> yes, um, he was pissed that it wasn't yeah. number one. Yeah, so that was the that was from the 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 original Space Jam. I believe I can fly. Uh, another song in at number nine from the Space Jam soundtrack. Um, For you, I will by Monica. I don't even remember that. song. I don't remember that song. Me either. neither. I have no idea. And then number eight is I'll Be by Funky Brown featuring Jay-Z. Foxy Brown, not Funky Brown. Funky Brown. (laughs) (laughs) I only had a sip of beer and I already fucked up. Foxy Brown (laughs) featuring Jay-Z. 
Um, Might have the name of the episode. <laughs> Funky Brown. <laughs> um, number seven is a song I fucking hate. It's one of the most boringest songs ever. It's Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. That's equally as bad as I believe I can fly. Yeah, yeah unbreak my unbreak my heart drags. That's a very boring song. Um, the next one is "Every Time I Close My Eyes" by Babyface. I didn't think I, I thought Babyface was gone by '97. Like I remember him from like '94, '95, but I thought he was gone. Yeah, he, he, he might have had a little stubble by '97. <laughs> he didn't get Vince's memo. We don't have baby faces anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good guys and bad guys. <laughs> um, number five, In My Bed by Drew Hill. Don't remember that one either. I do uh, not. Drew Hill was definitely not in my bed at 97. <laughs> <laughs> um, number four, All By Myself by Celine Dion. Oof. Yeah, another boring song. Um, another song, Nate likes this song, but I, I don't. Um, it's Foolish Games by Jewel. It's a Jewel fan. That's okay. Yes, yes. And at this time, at this time, I totally crushed on that woman back in the day. Totally crushed on Jewel. Like, was the like for the song because you crushed on her or just because it was a good song? I did love her voice, but... (laughs) She had a snaggletooth and lived in a car. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Number two, "Wannabe" by the Spice Girls. Oh man, if we could just yeah, show hear that song every independent wrestling show that we have. Uh, yeah, I bet you do. A worker named Johnny Romano on because that is in his music, and he's a pop star, and it's over. It's over. <laughs> That's what matters, right? It's over, right? <laughs> And then the number one song anybody wanted to make a guess <sighs> is is probably another tearjerker. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask by this time has Britney hit yet? Uh, I don't believe so. But it, it, it's a rap song. Oh, okay. Um, it's "Can't Nobody Hold Me Down" by Puff Daddy. <laughs> what everybody's rocking. So. There's the top 10 songs. Now we're going to talk about the top 10 movies. You guys ready for that? Absolutely. All right. Some of these I don't even fucking know. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Number 10, Inventing the Abbots. Horrible fucking movie because I never saw it. I never saw it. I didn't even know it existed. I had to look it up and read the plot and it was terrible. (laughs) It was like these two guys in the 50s that fell for the same girl or some shit and they were brothers. Joaquin Phoenix is in it. It sounded horrible. (laughs) Sounds like a story of incest. <laughs> um, the Sixth Man, which I don't remember that movie. Um, Star Wars 4. Was that Return of the Jedi or whatever? Star Wars 4 is the New Hope. New, New Hope. Okay, that's that's number 8. This is when they re-released it. He did not hesitate at all. He, was, he said that was like complete and utter confidence. I'm the biggest Star Wars geek. He's the the Star Wars guy. I'm just like, ah, that Muppet that flew down and like attacked those machines. I remember that. (laughs) At this time, they had re-released the original movies in the theaters. 
um, like the the what do you want to say the the re you know the they added shit to the movies and stuff and yeah. re-released them in the theaters, getting ready for the new movies to come out in '99. But anyway, um, the next one is Jungle to Jungle. That was a that was, really good that was a kid's movie with Tim Allen, and he had like a his kid was like a little Tarzan, and he brought him to New York or whatever. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas played in it. What I happened? think so. Yeah, fucking '97. Um, number six is Selena. And the movie was what it was. Um, Number five is a movie that we've talked about a lot on this, and I can't believe it was number five in the entire country. Double Team with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) Apparently this WCW hype has been helping this movie because it's number five. Um, Number three, The Old Feeling. I don't know what that movie is. I don't want to know what that movie is. I have no idea. Um, it's now what that lady got from Vince. <laughs> the old feeling. The old feeling. <laughs> um, Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette. Best line of the week. He's like, I don't see what's wrong with it. I don't let Vince fuck me for $3 million. <laughs> Somebody pointed out that Vince paid more for sex than WCW. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number three, The Devil's Own. I don't know. I, uh, I, I think I remember that movie. But I remember I, the. I, I remember like the poster. I remember the poster for that movie, but I don't remember the movie itself. I don't either. And then number two is The Saint. If I remember right, that was some kind of superhero movie. That was was that Val Kilmer? Maybe. I think that was Val Kilmer. I don't know. This was like when they were trying to do shit like the Rocketeer and hoping to get a fucking franchise out of it. It just wasn't working. And then the number one movie, and we all know this movie, is Liar Liar. Great movie. Great freaking best. So, um, so that... Oh, good. It was... It has... Uh, that movie also has one of the greatest uh, outtake reels of all time. Just Jim Carrey oh, yeah. being Jim Carrey in the moment. Yeah. He's like, I'm kicking my own ass. I'm kicking my own ass. And Jennifer Tilly when she was still. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are the movies and the songs. And now they've they've watched these movies on their road to in your house. They're jamming out to unbreak my heart. Uh, and I believe I can fly. You know, they're, they're, they're rocking out to this shit. Um, and they finally rolled into Rochester, New York. Hold, and- hold, hold on a second. I know this is your show and we cover 97, but we brought Vince up and I have it right here in front of me and I want to share it because I haven't got to share it with anybody yet. Brian Gewertz, you know, you guys know the former WWE writer. He tweeted today. He rocks Tody. He, yeah, yes. He tweeted today. Because, you know, Vince came out on SmackDown, and then he came out tonight on Raw, and he hasn't really said anything of substance. So Brian, Brian Gewertz, it's, this is funny. He's like, I'd so be pitching Mr. McMahon coming out every week, making increasingly shorter, weirder announcements, such as tonight, select T-shirts are 30% off WWShop.com. Thank you. <laughs> and this one's funny. Technically speaking... Curtis Axel never was never eliminated from the 2015 Royal Rumble. Good night. <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. That was kind of funny. 
Anyway. <laughs> um, they actually, here in Rochester, um, drew a pretty good fucking house for an in-your-house. Um, usually, you know, it's like eight, seven, you know. They packed. No, I was gonna uh, say, yeah, the set was amazing. And, and they packed 11,477 people in here for the senior house. Um, so I think that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good draw. Um, the free for all, which we don't have, which I don't understand. Why not just put the free for all matches and shit up on the network? I don't, I don't get it. But on the free for all, um, the Sultan defeated Flash Funk. Um, so then we roll into what I believe because I've been. It might have been there. Might have been some in '96 because I haven't watched those in a while. But this is the first um, Freddie Blassie promo video, like opening video that I can remember. He's like talking about you know the end of time, like in his Fred Bla- Fred Blassie voice, and they're putting over like Taker and Mankind. They're gonna have this match tonight, which um, doing my research, you guys know who initially. The Undertaker was supposed to be feuding with it this time. I think it was Vader, wasn't it? No. Yeah. Oh. It was it was Mark Marrow. But he got hurt. Oh. But they interviewed him at one point. Right yeah, before like, Austin goes into the bathroom. Yeah, because he's just giving like an injury update on himself or whatever. But yeah, this was supposed to be like a feud with the Undertaker and Mark Marrow. Thank God that never happened. Yeah. Like remember like a while back, like Sable like kicking the Undertaker and doing that little bit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to. I guess something was supposed to happen with that, and then Mark fucked his knee up. I would have hated a Mark Marrow Undertaker. Yeah, it doesn't even that doesn't even, that doesn't even work. It doesn't work <laughs> at all. I don't know what they were playing with that, but that's, it might have helped Marrow get over a little more. But that was the uh, that's the internet myth that it was supposed to be Mark Marrow. Um, our commentating team is Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, and Jerry Lawler, who's back. Jerry Lawler's been missing for a while. I don't know where he's been, but he's back now. And the opening match right out the shoot is the Legion of Doom versus Davey Boy Smith and Owen Hart for the WWF Tag Team Championship. Um, well, LOD's before out. Before we go into that, you were talking about the commentary team, and just rewatching this, I was thinking to myself, Commentary is not the same as it used to be. Like the whole, it has evolved into a different whole thing because back then they could say some outlandish shit and get away with it. And they didn't have scripts. Like now they have scripts in front of them, and it's like you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't say this word, you can't say that word. And fucking Vince is yelling at them. Don't say this. Don't say that. It's just like. It, and, it, and and everybody everybody it, it everybody AEW damn it <laughs> everybody on the modern in the modern WWE broadcast team are all essentially just they're not clones of but they're all influenced by Michael Cole. Michael Cole is the one that he's in charge of all that. He's the this is how we present the WWE. Back then to what Mark was saying, you had Vince McMahon, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler who had all three stark different personalities different upbringings, different backgrounds. And yeah, it was, it was completely different back then. And they, and, so well. and they would fuck with each other too. Like 
like when Ross would start talking about like, cause Ross would be wanting to put over their athletic abilities and Lawler's wanting to put over the outlandish storyline of it or whatever. He'd be like, oh, who cares what fucking football team he played? Like he's wrestling, you know, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and it wasn't all, obviously it wasn't like, you know, like Haiti type shit. Like they were just working off each other, you know, like Ross says it, he says that him and Lawler never, um, set each other like Ross never set Lawler up for anything. You know what I mean? It wasn't like oh say this and I can say that. It was just like eh. we got our bullet points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't none of them would be able to do that now. Oh no. The only one that would be able to do that now is probably Michael Cole. Well no, I was gonna say the only one that I think would be able to just riff and do whatever he wanted to do and not fumble would be pat mcafee yeah like that that dude that that dude's the only commentator in wrestling that i can even stand like like even jim ross is bad now but yeah pat mcafee he's like a he's a diamond in the rough man that dude's fucking awesome Oh yeah, great personality. Like, he, like, like he—he's the only guy that I watch it now when they're commentating about it, and I believe he's actually a fan. Yeah, right. It's the enthusiasm which which he presents. But, but I, I, I just I like that guy. Um, the match starts, and um, the, it, it's a good match. Don't get me wrong. Um, one thing I, I I don't have a lot of notes about the match, but there, there's a couple things. One, I think, and I know he's in the Hall of Fame and, and everything like that, and and I don't shit on the WWF, the WWE Hall of Fame like a lot of people do because it might not be, it might be arbitrary who they put in, but for the most part, the guy, it's not for the fans, it's for the guy. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's a show of respect for the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I'm saying, and I'm, I'm putting this out there not because I'm about to knock the guy, I'm actually about to praise him. I think, in a lot of ways, Davey gets overshadowed with how fucking good he was. Like, I don't think he gets enough credit for just how goddamn good of a wrestler he was. Yes, yeah, he great. he was he was a fucking athlete. The shit and, he could do is insane. Like, like, go ahead, Nate. Sorry, I was going to say he was an athlete, and he. <clears throat> I mean, and and this is up until, you know, up until I'd say up obviously up until the the trap door injury, you know, fucked him up and and got him. I know he was always kind of a user, but that is what really put him over the top. You know what yeah. I mean? And his work started to suffer. Yeah. But until then, yeah, I mean, he was he was solid as hell. And and I thought about it, and and I'm not comparing it with like, I'm not comparing this with like box office draw. I'm saying this uh, just ability and and the freakish shit that he can do. He's like he like I'd compare him to like Cena. Like yeah. this guy is fucking athletic as fuck and strong, like scary strong. Like he shouldn't be able to do this shit. Like you shouldn't be able to pick a guy up vertically on your shoulder and like go up and down with him before you drop. Like, like that's insane. It's fucking insane. Or when he do that fucking, um, military like, press slam. Well, the, the press slam, but, but like when he do that, that fucking kip up 
that he did. Yeah. Where it's like he almost went on top of his head and then flipped back. It's like, this guy is fucking great. And I don't, and I know he had issues and he wasn't always the best like citizen in the locker room. And that probably hurt him a little bit, but I just wanted to take a minute to just kind of put over the greatness of Davy boy Smith. Like from my understanding back in those days when they trained you and stuff, they actually had you doing training exercises to strengthen your neck and stuff. So the ability for him to be able to hold his weight on, on his head like that is, you know, speak loose and balance to his training also. Mm-hmm. I just think a lot of times he was in a, a lot of times he was surrounded by people that had more charisma than what he had. So he just kind of got kind of pushed, pushed this. Like, like I'm teaming with Dynamite Kid. Dynamite Kid's flashier and more charismatic. Now I'm with Owen, and now I'm in this Heart Foundation with Brett Owen and the and Pil- you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I just I just think he's underrated. Um, yeah, it sucks that his run with the European Championship and stuff came after all this. So at, dur- during this match, um, it's shown that um, Steve Austin has finally arrived. He was late. Um, Pat Patterson's chewing him out for being late and asking him why. And Austin's basically, well, he says it's none of your, it's none of your, it's none of your concern, you stupid jackass. And then he just shoves Pat Patterson and keeps on walking. I love. I, I love the entire run of Stone Cold Steve Austin, but my favorite Stone Cold Steve Austin of all time is 1996-1997 Stone Cold Steve Austin, where he's just a fucking asshole. <laughs> and it, it, like he was really coming into embodying that, you know, that persona. And I think that's what makes it shine so, so much brighter than the rest of the run. Like once he finally won the belt and stuff, I understand he had to like embrace the fans. That was a thing, and he didn't really change. Like it kind of changed. It was still cool, but it just kind of changed. Like he went from being a dick to everybody to just being a dick to the people that were being assholes. You know what I mean? Like he became the guy that stood up for the guy that was getting smacked around instead of being the guy smacking everybody around. But um, this match is going on, and um. They do this weird little spot where they're all in the ring. Um, Animal ends up getting up on the second rope. Hawk um, he, like puts Bulldog up into Animal, like up on Animal's shoulder. Animal hits this top rope power, or the the he hits this top rope power slam and pins the Bulldog one two three. And the LOD is announced as the world the new world tag team champions. And then Jack Doan runs out. Nate's favorite referee. Jack Doan runs out and um, says, no, 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 no. Uh, Bulldog wasn't the legal man, so they have to um, restart the match. Owen and Bulldog don't want to start the mat, restart the match, and they do the old school. If you guys don't get back in the ring within the count of 10, we'll, we'll disqualify you, count you out, and give the LOD the belt. So they end up Running back to the ring, uh, LOD gets the Doomsday device on Owen, and it looks like, oh, now they're finally going to get it. And then Brett runs out and attacks um, 
um, animal and brings the DDT or the DDT brings the DDQ. I can't speak. The Dairy Queen brings the DQ. <laughs> Art brought out a Coney dog, a couple of Billy bars, and they all sat in the ring and hashed shit out. I blame Canada on this one. <laughs> but Brett gets involved, ends the match. DQ, Owen and Bulldog, still your world tag team champions, but they, the LOD gets their, gets their music played or whatever. Um, I thought it was a pretty good match, but there were some clunky spots in it. Like it, it's just it kind of just the as, as great. I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say it. As great as these two teams were, they never meshed together ever. I never I never saw a LOD Bulldog Owen match and said oh, that was that was a really good match. I just think that what what hurt it was they did that whole like. Mid, like illegal guy getting pinned or whatever. Yeah, they did a dusty finish. Yeah, they did a dusty finish, and then um, the crowd just kind of like even when Brett gets involved, like when Brett runs out, it doesn't get the like um, reaction you would think Brett getting involved would be. And like I think once that happened, it just kind of like let the air out of the balloon of the crowd. You know what I mean? They were just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well now we know. The dusty finish happens, and then they go into the doomsday device. And you're like, you guys aren't gonna have him pin him now, you know what I mean? Like, you're in front of new, you're in front of a New York crowd. They're fucking smart. The minute the dusty finish happened, they knew there wasn't gonna be a title change. So then it was just like, all right, let's see what they're gonna fucking do. Right, right. And, so, but they give you that feel good moment, so you're like, yes, LOD. And then then they take it away, and they're like, yes, true Owen and Bulldog. Like it, it should have just they should have just ended it with that, like with Owen and Bulldog walking away. But having everybody go back and everything, it just kind of deflated it because those people knew eh, it's not going to be a thing now. So, um, like I said, I don't think it was a bad match, but it just kind of the, the, the ending was screwy. Um, and not to be morbid, but um, none of them are around anymore. Yeah. I mean, at, at the same time, too, though, it, it's what we call a curtain jerk, and it done that. So, I like I said, it was a good match, just kind of a clunky. There's a few clunky, clunky spots. Um, after that, um, Doc Hendricks interviews Owen and Bulldog, and they just have, like, the, the regular, we're, we're still the champs. They're trying to, like, you know, not talk about how they actually got beat. You know, they're not even mentioning that. They're they're just the winners. And they they did what they said they were gonna do. They defeated the LOD because they're the best tag team in the business. And then we go to the superstar line and it's Brian Pillman and Sonny. And Sonny's kind of all over Brian Pillman and she's like, he scares me. And all I'm thinking while I'm watching this is at one point these two fucked. She didn't look scared to me. That's all I'm gonna say. There is no way, no way that these two fucking heathens did not have some fucking weird, crazy ass fucking Ramada in banging at one point. Because oh, Vince was probably watching because the way she looked at, at the damn. Camera and goes, 
And back to you, Vinny. <laughs> like, I don't know if she's ever mentioned him as being on her list, but I I watched this and I was like, there ain't, there ain't no way. No I'll way. put it like this. I heard he was very fond of her, and I'm pretty sure that it, it wasn't for no reason. <laughs> so they're on the superstar line, and they actually, like I said, they they did a cool like they they just they had fun together on this segment, and then in real life, I believe. Um, the next match is Savio Vega trying to wrestle the Intercontinental Championship away from Rocky Maivea. Um Sabio comes out. He's got the nation with him. Just crush um, PG-13, uh, D'Lo Brown. And I last week I wrote, I tried to write Commandant, and I didn't know how to spell it, and I accidentally wrote Commandant. Or com- condiment. Condiment. This week, <laughs> this week, I tried to write Clarence Mason, and as I look at my notes, because I'm a retailer, I wrote Clarence Mason. Clarence Mason. That's what he was in. That's what he was in WCW. <laughs> By that point, he was Clarence Mason. <laughs> he went on sale. Well, I mean, your notes for that are better than mine because mine said Savio Vegas accompanied to the ring by B Rad from Malibu Post Wanted and a knockoff Eminem with a eight from Eight Mile equipped with a greasy Joe Dirt mullet and a bad attempt at a Road Warriors haircut, along with the Nation of Domination. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you put more work into my show than I did. <laughs> that was just the impression I got when I saw him. I'm like, okay. What's going on? <laughs> Lots of people said that when they looked at PG thirteen. <laughs> so there's Clarence. There's Clarence Mason out there. Um, um, Kevin, <coughs> Kevin Kelly, like Kevin Kelly, interviews the. the I keep I'm gonna call him the Rock, but he's not the Rock right now. I'm trying to stay in the. Stay in the year. He interviews Rocky Maivea in the back. Rocky Maivea does a um, cookie cutter baby face promo. Um, he does say like hell though. Like he's trying. I'm gonna beat the hell out of him because I got an edge to me. It's like yeah. Um, as the match is going on, they mention that Farouk's not out there, but then Farouk ends up showing up. Um, he's still got his arm in a sling, and he's discussing. The, the most confusing storyline or the most confusing stipulation to a, stipulation to a match ever. Because yeah, the opposite it, Rocky and then he starts talking about Ahmed and it's like, well, which damn one do you want to accept the challenge? That and, and, and I've been talking to Nate about this for a minute. Every time I hear them talk about this match, like when they were talking about it building up to it, I thought it was going to be on this fucking pay-per-view. But it's not. <laughs> We're still talking about it. And Farouk's saying, like, if, if Ahmed will accept this challenge, I'll put the entire nation and myself up against him. And if he can beat us, we'll 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 disband. And in my in my mind and in checking in my notes, I think I was like, I think Ahmed has accepted this challenge like three times. 
Like, why do they keep bringing it up? Because they don't know what he's saying when he accepts the challenge. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't understand what's happening. So Farouk talks more about the gauntlet match. And like I said, I thought he, I thought he had accepted it already and thought it was going to happen tonight, but apparently it's been postponed. I don't know. And then they do this spot where Rocky goes to hit um, Savio. Savio sidesteps it, and um, Rocky crashes into Crush, and Crush gives him a heart punch on the outside of the ring and just looks at him. And Rock gets counted out. And that's the that's finish of the match. The distinction a little bit between those two. And then, and then all of a sudden, Farouk gets in the ring and they, they just forget all about, oh, well, he just cost me the match. Let's stomp Rocky. Yeah, it's like, I don't understand it. And Vince McMahon, like when, when Crush hits him with the heart punch and gets him counted out, Vince McMahon's like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> He's like, that was, that was a stupid idea. Like, didn't even get the nod from the boss. <laughs> like, I don't think Vin, I, Vince was in character with it. Like, he was like, that was stupid of Crush. But I think, honestly, that was Vince going, this was stupid. Because Vince wasn't involved in all the fucking finishes. And that's why he paid people to do that shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think when he saw it, he was just like, that was like I when he was like this is stupid. I think he was legitimately being like that was that was stupid. Like why wouldn't Crush pick him up and throw him back in the ring? Why wouldn't Savio go outside and like Savio stood there and watched the ten count. Crush stood there and watched the ten count. Their boss sat at the table and just watched the ten count. Like why wouldn't his boss got up and be like, "What are you doing? Like, put him in the <laughs> ring. put him in the ring." And don't you want to win? <laughs> <laughs> like we kind of want that belt. Like, what are you doing? Right. And like, that's Savio's whole argument after that. He's like, "The belt, <laughs> the belt." <laughs> yeah, but Savio's arguments moot because he stood there and watched too. <laughs> just jaw open, just like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of fucking idiots these guys are tonight. <laughs> what the hell? I will say this, though, like, looking back on Savio Vega, at what he was doing at that time, he really was, like, a true master of the craft because no matter who he was putting over, he did it and still made him look good, and he didn't look bad even if he went under yeah, on on on, <clears throat> on the majority of our shows, whenever he comes up, um, and Aaron knows obviously because he's known me my whole life. I was a huge Savio Mark back in the day. I think oh, I, I thought he was great. And do what you said that we talked about that last week, I think, or on one of the other shows during the PWI 500 discussion. There's a reason that when somebody would come in like Steve Austin or um, I forget who else we mentioned, Gold Dust, Gold Dust they would pair him up with Savio. You know, to get to heat him up, he was like a like a gatekeeper, like Jake Roberts. You know, yeah, he, right. he, he like I don't think it's going out on the limb of saying like this guy's not going to main event your WrestleMania or whatever. But this guy, like Savio, from like nine, well, he came in in ninety five and yep, then left in ninety eight because he got hurt in that fucking stupid brawl for all shit for that three year period. I I'd put Savio in, like I said, not biggest star. 
but I'd put Savio in probably the top. I would put him if you were like, oh, give me the best workers in that company. He'd be in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Right. He's definitely a workhorse. Like him, Owen, Scorpio, you know, those guys. It's like I would put those guys up if, with athletic ability. I'd put those – Davey, I'd put those guys up against anybody. So, right. like, I'm not – not like, when I say it's a stupid finish and kind of like a whatever, it's, it, I'm not knocking the guys in the match because Rock was fucking freaky at this time too. Like, his – that fuck, like, Nate and I were talking the other week, that fucking cross-body block that Rock had, it was fucking nuts. The fucking length that he like the, the the length that he could jump with it, and it's just like fucking fantastic. That this fucking two hundred and sixty five pound fucking muscled up freak was like throwing himself three quarters across the ring. It's fucking fantastic. Right. I mean, they displayed a lot of athleticism in that match, and to me, just watching it, even the the shades of what would later become his moveset when he would become the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. And and they call him a rock, but uh, that it would really shine through and you could see the progression. Yeah. And it's, 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 and you look at, you look at it then and you think, you think the same thing and, and people can say what they want about him. We all know he's, he's, he's insane in his old age and et cetera, et cetera. But just like, just like, with Roman Reigns, Vince McMahon can look at a wrestler before and before you see it, he sees it, and that's a talent, you yeah. know. Um, right. He he saw that. He saw that, and he you know and, the, the fans didn't they didn't see it yet, but but Vince saw it. And and talking about, I'll, I'll give credit where credits due to Jim Ross. Jim Ross is the same way. Jim Ross can look at a guy. And been like, and and see, like he can look at a guy that nobody sees anything in. I don't know if he could do it now, whatever, because he's getting older too. But at that time, he could look at a guy and see what nobody else saw. John Cena, John Cena, like same way with The Rock. Like he told, and I don't think Jr. Like okay, all I'm gonna say is he's a bad motherfucker because I still can't see him. Like Bruce Pritchard, I know Bruce Pritchard toes the company line, and 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 he tells, he tells, he sometimes says what people want to hear or or twist shit around or whatever. I don't think Jim Ross is that way. Like I think Jim Ross is a pretty cut and dry guy, and he's not gonna fucking fabricate something that he said. But he told Vince, he's like this guy. He told him the same thing he told him about Cena. He's like this guy's gonna fucking main event WrestleMania in five years. <laughs> You're not going to get something. You're not going to make a million dollars off of him right now. But eventually this guy is going to fucking be the biggest star in the world. Fucking sign him. Like right Right, tomorrow, sign him right now. He had that foresight. So, like, anyway, I don't want to get too into the weeds on it. Um it's like Mark was saying, uh, Savio and Crush get an argument about the finish of the match and how stupid they both are. And um, basically, they're having an argument about who's the biggest idiot. And Fruit gets in the ring and says, you're both idiots. And um, says, but let, let's stop arguing and let's beat this guy up. So they decide they're going to kick the shit out of the rock. And they start kicking around Rocky Maivea. And then Ahmed Johnson comes out in some genie pants 
swinging his big wood around and chases off the nation. And then Ahmed um, accepts a gauntlet challenge match that he's already accepted three times already. But, well, but it's now, a gauntlet. It's a gauntlet. So he's fighting three guys who so he's got to accept it three times. <laughs> but he didn't accept before calling Savio an illegal immigrant, crushing yeah. convict, and saying something about Bruce black ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll fight that illegal, illegal immigrant, that comment, that convict, and your fat black ass, or whatever he said. It's <laughs> like, all right. Like, it was risque, though. Like, the the stuff that they got away with saying then like definitely wouldn't work now. But back then it was comical and it got you into it. Well it's like that joke Nate said that Lawler said. Oh God. The judo thing. Oh yeah. Um he said uh I think Steve Blackman was coming out and Jim Ross said something about Steve Blackman knowing being a black belt in judo. And Jim Ross said I said what did he say? I thought judo was a uh, Jerry Lawler, not Jim Ross. But Jerry Lawler said, "I thought." Ju- what did he say? Now I can't remember. Jim Ross says, "Steve Blackman uh, is a black belt in judo," and Jerry Lawler goes, "Judo isn't that what they make bagels out of?" Yes, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, if you said that now, like, you wouldn't be able to even find the product on YouTube. Like, it would just be gone. <laughs> Like Steve Blackman, knowing that he he was a black belt in judo, I'd have liked to see him up against like Bad News Brown or something like that. Because if he, if nobody knows, but he had a background in judo also and he won a gold medal at, at the Olympics with it. Part of me, part of me wants to think that Bad News Brown would take Steve Blackman. I just oh, I definitely like Brown. That dude is fucking great. Which are sh- beer belly shop crack shot. Beer bellied sharecroppers. <laughs> that dude was fucking awesome. Talking about how um, um, Elizabeth was giving Jack Tunney favors. Shit like that. It was fun stuff. Um, so anyway, um, where was I at? Sorry. Ahmed Johnson. He accepts the gauntlet challenge finally. We figured it out. This is going to happen. They don't tell us when but we just know what's going to happen. It's like a WCW number one contendership match. They win, and they're they're, they're going to get a shot down the line. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. So we're going to get this gauntlet match eventually. I really hope it's soon because I'm tired of it. Shit, um, it's like today's uh, money in the bank, man. Yeah, it's like, what the hell is going on? This gauntlet thing is just like, to me... And it's still going to go on for a little bit. To me, this nation thing's already with Ahmed's already jumped a shark. But um, we then get um, a really 97 thing. Ken Shamrock is on American Online. He's on he's on AOL typing away God, on, his, on, his, um, on his laptop, which looks like a brick. And um, so WWF is the online destination or AOL is the online destination for the WWF. And um, Nate corrected me when I thought, well, everybody's on American online, America online. WCW was um, on CompuServe at this time. Like I, I completely 
had like a a brain fart and forgot that like there used to be multiple online things like I forgot about CompuServe and fucking all this other shit. But anyway, Look, um, you remember when they used to send out the CD ROMs? Oh yeah, you get like twenty hours, right? And then you get the uh, the one from the WCW. Uh, it it like took you to where you could watch videos and stuff like that. It's like the internet was so archaic at this time and just a weird thing. I used to have to go to the library to get on WCW.com just to watch like really shitty videos of the NWO. And I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> Your parents were like, I'm really proud of you for reading all those books. If you don't yeah, I'm at the library. <laughs> I'm watching fucking NWO but um buffer yeah it's like okay i'm gonna let this thing sit for five minutes and then i'm gonna get a a 30 second clip of x-pac telling me something it's gonna be great (laughs) Um, i gotta sit for five more minutes then i'm gonna wait five more minutes to get a fake picture of jennifer jennifer aniston nude (laughs) sounds like a good deal yeah um so after Ken Shamrock on AOL, um, we get um, the Mark Marrow Sable interview. And um, it's Mark Marrow talking about how he wishes he was, he wished he was able to compete tonight because he's won many Golden Glove tournaments and shit in this building and that he doesn't want to let out when he's going to get back in the ring because he doesn't want to give his secrets away. But it's going to be very soon. And, um, they're, they're, I don't know if they were doing it on purpose or whatever, but they kind of planted a little bit of a seed because Doc Hendricks is like, he asks Mark if he's, um, pleased with all the attention that Sable's getting since he's been injured and he doesn't really kind of, he doesn't really answer it. So I don't know if they were already planting the seed of, um, Mark being jealous of Sable or what, but, um, he doesn't get time to answer it because there's a commotion in the in the in the restroom. They don't know what's going on, and you just hear yelling and screaming. Um, did somebody have bad Chipotle? What's happening in there? And somebody had flaming diarrhea. Yes. Um, but then Owen and Bulldog run out, and Dave Hebner, who we just recently lost. Um, comes out and tells Doc Hendricks, Sable, and Mark Marrow that Owen and Bulldog attacked Steve Austin in the restroom. You don't see any of it, just hear all of it. Was it just me, or or did it look like they had golf clubs that were bent beyond belief? (laughs) So, I actually appreciated the angle, because it was kind of cool, and if they would have done it now, there would have been like a perfectly framed camera shot of Steve Austin getting beat up in the bathroom. You know what I mean? But in this, it was just like some chaotic shit happening in the background. Now, it would, like I said, it would have been perfectly cropped. You would have seen every angle. The camera would have been moving in and out at every shot. But this lended itself to some fucking chaos going on in the back. In the back. I appreciated it. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, do you guys get anything else on that? I do not. All right. 
Um, the next match is going to be the real Double J, Double J, Jesse James facing off against the Honky Tonk Man's finally going to tell us who his new charge is. So he comes out. Double J comes out. Nobody gives a shit. And then Honky Tonk Man comes out and he introduces us to you just made that sound sound so uh, opposite of what it was because Double J came out singing some generic ass country song. <laughs> it was surprisingly had a smooth voice while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rockabilly song. It's so creative. Rockabilly oh, yeah. all day long. Rockabilly, sing my song. All yes. right. <laughs> yeah, they put some real thought into that one. Yes. And, Nate, I never put it together until you mentioned it. I really do think you're right. It was going to be Disco Inferno. It was going to be Disco Inferno, and it just didn't happen. And they had to come up with something quick. Yeah, so there was a rock, rock, uh, honky-tonk man. He rocks. There's Billy. Give Rocket, yeah, give Billy Gunn the the Greg Valentine gimmick. He's Boxcar Billy now. Yeah, Yeah, Rocket Billy. Um, And it's, it's bad. Um, nobody cares. Um, they have honky tonk man give some, like some half ass excuse because a couple weeks ago, fucking rockabilly hit the honky tonk man. So it's like, why would you be with him now? And the honky tonk man just like, look, when he hit me, I realized this guy, he had he had the he had guts. Like, he stood up to the honky tonk man. He punched me, and I knew when he hit me, he was the guy because he stood up to me. And I made him a, I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. He doesn't say where the offer is, but um, the only note I have is that it was kind of a lackluster match. Nobody gave a shit, and the only good thing that anything can be said about the Jesse James Rockabilly feud is that at least we got the New Age Outlaws out of it. Like if only it was, I had. <laughs> Was when he took off his button-up shirt, it looked like he had on Hunter Hearst Hemsley's gear. <laughs> Maybe it's like a Rhea Ripley thing. Maybe he forgot his gear, so he had to wear he had to wear Hunter's gear out to the ring. It the and Aaron, you said this wasn't over, and of course it's not over. You have a show. You have a show where your main event is going to be the Undertaker and Mankind. Stone Cold Steve Austin's on the show. The Hart Foundation is mixing shit up. And then you put this turd in the middle of it? Of course it's not over. This is awful. <laughs> Just bad. I guess that was to bring them back down before the good shit started happening. Yeah. So I just did not enjoy this at all. Um, the match is going on. Um, and Rockabilly is supposed to be Honky Tonk Man's new unstoppable charge and in his debut he gets beat <laughs> to a fucking roll up to a fucking small package roll up one two three like what the hell like the only intriguing part to me about the whole damn thing was the fact that Honky Tonk Man was there because I enjoyed Honky Tonk Man for oh, his oh, no, yeah, yeah I, I, that, I mean that's that's one of my notes is that's that's in the top 10 greatest gimmicks of all time. Like, Honky Tonk Man wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world, but he didn't have to be. That fucking gimmick wow. was old. The suit, exactly. the hair, 
everything about it. The fact that I, my favorite part about the Honky Tonk Man was, oh, this guy's an Elvis impersonator. And he's like, Elvis? I don't even know who the hell Elvis is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Elvis, like, who's that? Yeah, that guy impersonated me. You know I mean, what I mean? No, no disrespect to him, but, but I mean, with a name like Robert Wayne Ferris, you'd want to be called the fucking Honky Tonk Man. Too. <laughs> so I, like I said, I enjoy Honky Tonk Man, and I actually enjoy all of these guys. But it's going to take a minute to get to and really enjoying, you know, Jesse James and Billy Gunn. But we'll get there eventually. Um, the next thing is the, I almost said the Doc Hendricks, is Doc Hendricks, and he's selling us a Undertaker door banner. And I know Mark watched this, so he probably knows the price. I know Nate probably didn't. You didn't watch it, right, Nate? I didn't. Oh, don't tell him. I like to ask, oh, Nate. I like to ask Nate, not what he would pay now. But what Nate would what Nate would pay in 1997 money because you would have been what 16? No, uh, 97. I was 18. You're 18. You're somewhat independently. You have independent money because you're working at fucking Record Town or the hell you're working at Music Land, whatever. Selling fucking unbreak my heart singles. Yep. Like (laughs) selling Elton John's candle in the wind. Yeah. Elton John's sitting on that candle in the wind and Nate's making money off of it. Um Nate, how much nineteen ninety seven money, if you didn't hear Mark spoil it, are you willing to pay for an Undertaker door banner? Twenty nine ninety five. Oh come on. How much it was. <laughs> I'd Mark, easily Mark, pay like 150 for it right now. Yeah, Mark came in with the run in on that one. Yeah, it's all right. It's twenty nine ninety five. Nate was probably making four dollars and twenty five cents an hour. <laughs> Shelling CDs and fucking cassette singles. He's like, I just gotta I gotta if I can work a week and a half. Get some new LPs to drop. I can push. I can push. Can have the Undertaker on my door. Yeah, I can have the Undertaker on my door. That's funny too, because back then, back then I wouldn't even have thought about buying it. Now I'd buy it in a heartbeat and <laughs> put it here in the collection. You know, like <laughs> you would have thought about buying it then, because our mom would have been like, "You spent how much on that? You spent thirty dollars on that." <laughs> my mom would have been like cool as fuck with it because that's her favorite wrestler. So I'd have been in there like swimwear. <laughs> her mom did not like wrestling. Still doesn't. Mom would have been like, what the fuck are you spending $30 on that? <laughs> um, so $29.95 for an Undertaker door banner from WWF. Um, it wasn't shop.com. You had to call a 900 number or whatever. Shop, I think it was just the shop zone or something. Yeah, like the shop that. zone. Um, then uh, Kevin Kelly um, is going to interview Steve Austin, asking him about his condition and if he's will if he's still able to go in and fight um, um, Bret Hart tonight. Uh, Steve Austin refuses medical con- medical attention and says 
even Brett's um, he says even Brett's fat father Stu couldn't stop him from getting in this match tonight. And um, and Gorilla Monsoon says that Steve Austin's refusing medical condition medical attention. Uh, has advised him to not go into this match, but to make it fair, because obviously Brett set up Steve Austin. He's going to rearrange the matches for tonight, and now Brett and Austin will go on after uh, Mankind and the Undertaker. Uh, it was just, it, it was what it was. It wasn't anything great. It wasn't anything bad. It was just a way to explain why the matches had switched. Um, and then and, we and go, and it also was made to make Steve Austin look more of a badass. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like even I don't care that they jumped into the golf club or whatever in the bathroom. <laughs> God bless pro wrestling. And, I don't care if they jump me in the bathroom with golf clubs. I'll be out there tonight. <laughs> yeah. And then the the commentators are talking about it, and Jim Ross actually has a funny line because Owen and Bulldog. Earlier, I didn't get too much into it, but when they were talking about, um, uh, well, we'll talk about it here in a minute, because um, I kind of, I kind of got ahead of myself here. Um, Kevin Kelly, then, who, by the way, super underrated. Kevin Kelly's very underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, commentator as an interviewer, just super underrated. Um, he um, pitches it to a guy that. I, he didn't really get much of a run in WWE or WWF. Um, they pitch it over to Lance Wright, who ends up in ECW. We'll talk about him in a couple of years. Um, he's interviewing the Hart Foundation and is asking Owen and Bulldog about why they beat up why they beat up Austin. It was unprovoked, and Owen's like, "We were just trying to celebrate our victory. We were me and Bulldog were just trying. Me and Davey were just trying to." have a good time, toast ourselves to our victory. And then Steve Austin came in and just ruined everything. And Bulldog's like, yeah, we weren't doing anything wrong. We were just being, having a friendly celebration. Steve Austin came in barking at us and everything. So we, so we beat him up in the fucking bathroom though. That's my whole, that's my whole thing. Like what kind of celebration were you doing in the bathroom? So so then, then they end it. And Jim and Vince McMahon's like, we've had we've had you know disqualifications and the honky tonk man and and he's just going over how crazy this night's been. And Jim Ross is like, the the biggest question I have, Vince, is why do Bulldog and Owen celebrate their victories in the restroom? <laughs> like, what the hell is that? I knew they were gonna catch Steve off in there because he had the beer shit. <laughs> yeah. He's been drinking Natty Light since noon. That's why he was late. He was sitting on an off ramp, like, Oof. <laughs> no fucking knew this. <laughs> Jumps out the limo, grabs the clinch, cheeks in the bathroom. Shouldn't have had the taquitos, son. I shouldn't have had the taquitos. I shouldn't have had that fourth Washington apple. <laughs> but that's why, just, that's why you switched the IPAs now. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Jim Ross, like, the biggest thing I wonder is why we learned that Bulldog and Owen celebrate their victories in the bathroom. Like, I just thought that was funny. 
Um, also, like your fat ass father's too. Like literally, though, whenever I first saw it, that was my first thought. Like, why did all this take place in the bathroom? Like, this could have sufficed in the parking lot or anything, any backstage area besides the damn bathroom. But they chose this segment's going down in the bathroom because <laughs> he had natty like gut rot. That's all it was. He hasn't won the belt yet. He can't afford Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I know Nate, you didn't watch it, but but Mark did. Um, they do this fucking weird video. That spooky montage. It's fucking weird what they do. Like they're hyping mankind and the Undertaker, but they're showing different people in it, like Billy Guns in it. Just all this different shit's going on. Everybody over, damn it! Yeah, they're putting everybody in this video, and like you hear somebody talk. Like they're like, I'm gonna burn the Undertaker, and then they play it in reverse, and it's like, rum snap, it's like, what the fuck is going on? It's one of the weirdest, like, videos I've ever seen the WWF do. It's like, what the like? When I was done watching, I'm like, what the fuck? Did I just watch? It was like I got that same vibe. Like, it was like, did I just did WWF like? Call like David Lynch. I mean, like, hey, give us like a, a 30 second promo for the Undertaker Mankind match. And he's like, put this shit together. So it's like the uh, Kevin Sullivan uh, Halloween Havoc. Or- like, it, it's like some Twin Peaks type shit. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I, I I can't I can't explain it without you seeing it. She's like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Like Todd Pettengill's doing the overdub of it. It's like I don't know what the hell is happening, but it was just <laughs> fucking. It was fucking weird. Um, they also used. I can't believe they used it, and maybe because nobody realized, and maybe it's because I just have a a different. Um, thought process that other people have, but they used the clip of when when man they used the sound clip of when you remember mankind threw the fa- threw the fire in the face of the Undertaker. <laughs> Vince McMahon, I think, misspoke and wanted to say the fire, but he he left that out. And what he said was, "Mankind just exploded in the face of the Undertaker." <laughs> Oof. Ugh. I'd want to kick his ass too. <laughs> what are they doing in the bathroom? <laughs> definitely, definitely need revenge for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> the name. It's like the re- <laughs> Jim Ross like the Undertaker has been done wrong tonight. Yeah. By God. So, mankind is <laughs> the Undertaker. <laughs> Didn't even warn him. <laughs> so, wee, wee. <laughs> all right, I'll get off. I'll, get, yeah. I'll be done with it. I was gonna say I'll get off it, but <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> you do that, you gotta clean it up, buddy. <laughs> so, 
So then Mankind comes out with Paul Bear. And then The Undertaker comes out. And obviously people are losing their fucking minds. Because The Undertaker comes out. Um, man, th- they're... Oh shit! Lot. I thought you were going to talk about the uh, backstage interview they done with them too. For at first, because if you notice at the beginning of that shit, Paul Bear is holding his nose as if Doc Hendricks' fucking breath is killing him. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> it is like for real. What when you watch it? If you ever watch it again, just just look for that part because <laughs> he was like and. <laughs> And then he, I'm like, is his breath thinking? And then he clarifies, you know, that he can still smell the burning flesh of the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, your angle's better, though. Yeah. Doc Hendricks, got <laughs> Doc, Hendricks has ha- Doc Hendricks has halitosis. Yeah. <laughs> well. It was um, epic. But uh, you brought up Paul Bear. I mean, how good was that fucking guy? Or that's good. How great was that fucking guy? To be honest, <clears throat> I think that was the perfect pairing was him and The Undertaker because I don't think, like, I know he was, you know, the perfect Pringle and all that back way before that and all that, but I don't think he would have got over, like, Undertaker would have got over as much without him because that gimmick definitely needed a mouthpiece. Yes. yes. The same, I mean, people people that are younger, that are, you know, in their 20s or even early 30s now, you know of the iconic Undertaker. You know of, of the, the man that the, the WrestleMania streak and all the sellouts and all the but, – but pre that, that gimmick very well could have been a couple of years and done. Mm-hmm. It would have been six months with Brother Love. Yeah, but Paul Bearer Indeed. brought Paul Bearer brought such a dimension to that character and that gimmick, and and, and the the same thing could be said for fucking mankind. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, mankind was over or whatever, but it didn't really start kicking in until Paul turned and went with mankind. You know, like he didn't have to talk as much for mankind as what um, he did for Undertaker because it was a di- mankind and the Undertaker's different gimmick. You know. But, like, the Paul Bearer Mankind thing was cool because Paul Bearer was with Mankind, but Mankind would be saying shit and Paul Bearer would be behind him and like, this guy's fucking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, he'd say some off-the-wall shit and Paul Bearer would be like, what the fuck is that? But this is my dude. You know, it's like... It was an odd pairing, but it worked. Yeah. Um so the match starts with Mankind um, jump, jumping the Undertaker as he gets in the ring. Um, they brawl back and forth. I do have quite a few notes on this, so sorry, guys. Um, they, they, they brawl back and forth. They wind up outside the ring, and, the, and Mankind takes a wicked fucking, like, back bump into... Like four chairs and a fucking railing that's fucking insane. Like he doesn't put his hands up, he doesn't do jack shit. He takes a couple chairs and just smacks the back of his fucking head on mm-hmm. that fucking guardrail. It's fucking nuts. And one thing, like my notes that I got on it, it was beautifully brutal. Like 
every time that those two got together, you know, post this and everything, it, it was always a thing of beauty because they really understood the psychology of wrestling. And they knew how to put on that match that still has the fans talking about it to this day. And also, when you really think about it, it, it's I'm trying to think of another 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 um, pairing. But I, I'm willing to bet the other reason that 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 Taker loved working with Mick not only just that Mick was great. I'm not taking away from that, but working with Mick for Undertaker had to be an easy night because Mix Mix essentially just letting him do whatever you know what I'm you know what I'm saying like right. before Mick Undertaker got- Undertaker just has to look like a badass Mix taking all the great bumps and shit and, you know? and look at this look at it this way before Mick got there before they t- t- tagged him like married him to Mick he's like okay like Jake take Jake out of the equation but before he married Mick he had to work Kamala. Giant Gonzalez, Gonzalez, Yokozuna. Yokozuna. Not that, I mean, Yokozuna is different, but yeah, Yokozuna, Bundy. You know, he had to do all that. Shit. Or a man his size, Yoko could go. Like that's the one. That's yeah, the one yeah. That's why I said I'm not saying necessarily Yoko in that respect, but you got to move Yoko around. You got to yeah. do so. Did, did you see? Um, and and I won't get too into the weeds on it, but did you see that um, um, interview? Undertaker just recently did about Yoko. Yes. No, I haven't caught that yet. He, I just saw clips of it, but he was talking about Yoko Zuna and how how Yoko was a cool motherfucker. He's like, but Yoko would want to play cards before their match or whatever. And 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 if um if Taker take money off of him, Yoko would like put a little bit of extra stank on the suit uh, on the bonsai drop. Like he might hit you with it and then like normally hit you with it and pop right back off and kind of hover where people wouldn't see it. But if you, if you, if you took like, if you took like a grand off him or whatever, he might, he might sit on that shit a little bit. (laughs) I think that clip is, I think that clip's actually from the Yoko documentary, but which is a great documentary if you haven't. Well, the one I saw was just some guy was interviewing him. I don't no, know. maybe I'm thinking. Maybe that is it. I don't know, but I know I know the story. As I remember seeing it. But. Yeah, he's like, I hated playing cards with Yoko before the matches because if he took money off of me, fuck you up a little bit. That might have been why Steve Austin was in the bathroom, so he didn't have another one of those instances like he had with Yoko. <laughs> um. So then, um, and I spoke incorrect. I, I like to um, say if I spoke wrong. Uh, Kyle was on last week and he was correct when we were talking about the Kuwait shit. You know, I, we told him we thought it was a 96 with Vader. Nate, do you remember that? Yeah. We were wrong. This is when Vader's stuck in Kuwait. And because- I thought about it after we did the show too, because I had covered it a couple of months ago on uh slice of time and just didn't even think about it. And then also. Had, had um, he watched it though, he would have been like, holy shit. That, we were just talking about that. <laughs> The uh, the the other thing that made me think of it was Ken Shamrock because the whole Vader Ken Shamrock thing. But anyway, yes, Kyle was correct. But he'll, yeah. yeah, but don't tell him that. Yeah, I won't tell him he's right. Never do that. Um, um, because they bring that up, they say Vader doesn't have to work. Their Undertaker doesn't have to worry about Vader getting involved, and 
Jerry Law was like, yeah, because that's because he's serving hard time, hard, hard time. time, Vader time. Because <laughs> Vader's stuck in Kuwait. Um, then um, mankind ends up, ends up. It's the only spot in the match I don't like. They go. He goes to hit Undertaker with a water pitcher, and it actually kind of breaks before he actually makes contact with the Undertaker. Yeah. Which is like the crowd responds to it because they don't see the fucking angle of it, but eh, it, like it shattered before it um, hit Taker. Is what it is. Whatever. I wouldn't want to. I would. It was treated glass. Obviously, you're not gonna fucking actually hit a guy with a goddamn water pitcher. It's fucking wrestling. It's fake. So it is what it is. But it was kind of a bad angle of it. Um, the referee ends up getting bumped. Um, Mankind brings steps into the ring. Taker um, drop kicks the steps into Mankind's face, and it's kind of a sloppy little bump, but it is what it is. Yeah, but like the ups that Taker got on that looked like he was. Oh, the, the drop like kick was great. Ninety-five or some shit. <laughs> but uh, the 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 way Mick fell was kind of sloppy, but it is what it is. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's fucking, he's been working for ten minutes, and he's trying to fucking. Maneuver fucking steps, so whatever. Um, the next spot is one of my favorite things that's ever happened in the history of professional wrestling, and I think it's so great that it wasn't um, meant to happen. And it's the spot where The Undertaker big boots mankind off of the apron and he sails through the air. And I think the table was supposed to break in half. That's what Mick was thinking. But Mick, Mick makes a perfect hole <laughs> in the middle of the table. No, that wasn't gimmicked at all. I don't think it was. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I think it was just one of the greatest things that's like the greatest mistakes that's ever happened in wrestling. That much. They, who, who, they mysteriously had a hole in the table. You know, who, who made a who, hole in the table. Like, who who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> I, I, nobody would have been like, oh, let's just put a hole in the table. They would have been like, we want this table to explode. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think, honest to God, because who's like, oh, I'm going to just get stuck in a hole in a carpet? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a fucking some Looney Tunes shit. <laughs> Not a carpet, a tablecloth. Like, like if I'm Mick, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go head, through, head first through the table, and it's going to snap in half. That's fine. It was a perfect hole. <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a five year old kid that believes in the fucking Easter Bunny, and if you tell me it's real or tell me it's fake, I'm gonna be like no, because <laughs> since 1997, I've wanted to fucking believe that they thought I'm gonna go through this fucking table, it's gonna break mm-hmm. in half. But man, Mick Foley, what was that? The Spanish announce table? Yes, perfectly went to. Why it. did all the bad shit always happen on the Spanish announce table? Because Vince McMahon's a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Aim for uh, Sabinovich or whatever his name is. Yeah. If anybody can fix it quickly, it's going to be them. <laughs> if I'm going <laughs> to. 
They got Home Depot parts underneath the table. They're going to be good to go. I don't know, but they had, uh, what? who was it, Pedro Morales and uh, Hugo Savinovich. Both of them were kind of hefty. <laughs> but which which one is it? Which pay per view is it where fucking Savinovich like they do the thing through the table and the dude goes flying? I don't remember which one. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, there's a pay per view like when he's all fucked up. Yeah, it's when it's King of the Ring. No, 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 no. It's this is a different one. This is a different one. There's another one where he gets like, like, because it's it's a different. I'm thinking of a different shot, but anyway, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about that now. So, but they had Hugo out there so he could bump because Hugo was a worker. That's why. That's the other reason I think they would always do the for one of the Spanish, like fucking. Well, I mean, if you're gonna take that kind of bump, you you want to bump into somebody who's at least a little bit good for me. (laughs) My favorite Hugo Savinovich stuff is on the Jake Roberts DVD. I got to get away from you, man. He's talking about hanging out with Jake because Hugo was a Hugo was a pill and drug guy too. But even he's like he's like even with my use, I thought I have to get away from this man, <laughs> this Jake Roberts. I have to get away from this man. I have to get away from you, Jake. <laughs> like goddamn. My favorite um, Mexican commentary thing with the WWF is. Um, I, I like I used to like we used to have Telemundo like I used to be able to watch Telemundo and I'd like watch I'd like to watch WWF on Telemundo just to see what the fucking look like you know and um, I was watching it one night and um, like I don't know what they're saying or whatever and then like the no chance like Vince McMahon's music hit <laughs> and both of them at the same Hugo. And um 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 what's the other guy? Carlos. Carlos Carl- Cabrera. Carlos Cabrera, both at the same time go, uh oh, Senor McMahon. <laughs> like yes. <laughs> uh oh. All he needed to write then was a fucking sombrero and that would have made it even better. <laughs> uh oh. Next week Senor next McMahon. week next week he's gonna come out on Raw. As Senior McMahon. That's going to be the next Vince McMahon thing on Raw. So Foley makes a complete hole in the table, and it's fucking awesome. Um, and then um, Undertaker ends up coming in, coming out and digging him out of the hole and hits a tombstone on Mankind and pins him one, two, three. And then it rolls into... Um, some chicanery post-match with Mankind, and as I'm watching the spot, what the spot is supposed to be is Mick is supposed to try to throw fire at the Undertaker and accidentally burn Uncle Paul, but nothing happens. It's not combustible. This is a... uh, this This is one of the... What I want to say, this is one of the this is one of the best worst botches in wrestling history, folks. Yes, yes, yeah. So it, it, it because they totally sell it later. So that doesn't happen, and they're like, "Oh shit, we got a lighter incident here." Um, and then they kind of fuck around a little bit more, and they're still trying to fumble around with it. And then Undertaker just takes ownership of this situation. Mm-hmm. Like, like Mark Calloway 
Because <laughs> like we look like a bunch of fucking idiots right now. Like I'm a bunch of monkeys sure. trying to fuck a football right now. I'm gonna take ownership of this. Um, and I, I, I don't know for sure, but I have a dis- I have a strong feeling that Mark Calloway made eye contact with Bill Moody, a guy that he's been working with since 1992, and was like, "Just follow my fucking lead. Let's do this shit." And Bill Moody, being the guy that he was, was like, fuck it, whatever we got to do to make it happen. He ends up getting him in the corner, and it's the um, shittiest, coolest thing (laughs) that a guy's ever done to another guy. Like, he doesn't throw a fireball at him. He knocks Paul Bearer down, puts him in the corner, puts the flash paper on his face, and just ignites it. Like he's like, I'm done with you fucks. And just sets Paul Bear's face on fire. And it's fantastic. I, I mean he has to get his revenge. Uh, hence the name revenge. It's, it's in the fucking name. Yeah. Like, we gotta do it. Somebody has to die hard. Somebody yeah. has to die hard and die hard. Yeah. Right. Like, but it's the it's the it's one of the coldest but most badass looking things ever like he's down Paul Bear is defenseless he could just walk away and be like okay you know what I could have done to you but he's like nope set your face on fire it's fantastic it's like Uh, having house of a thousand corpses with only 20 bodies in the whole movie (laughs) so I like I said it, it so we've gotten through Undertaker burning Paul Bear's fat face um, then Doc Hendrick ends up Doc Hendricks ends up interviewing Bret Hart before the main event. Um, Bret Hart talks about how he's going to go out there and he's going to beat Steve Austin's ass. And Owen and Bulldog were with him, and he goes, "Come on, guys! Come on, boys!" or whatever. And Doc Hendricks, I'm, like, I'm going to go whoop their ass, but I need their help. Yeah, he's going to take it. He's going to take his boys with him, you know. And they all come out. Um, but obviously the officials, they had Jim and, and, and Gorilla Monsoon, they ain't going to have any of that. So they're holding Owen and Davey back. And Owen is being like full great Owen. He's like, I want to, I want to watch my brother Brett's match. You know, he's like, I'm not going to get involved. I just want to watch him. You know, and he's being the great fucking pissant little brother. He's doing great. But they ended up like, you know, forcing them out of there. Um, then Steve Austin comes out and it's like, I've told Nate before, like Steve, he's starting to get over now, but it's still weird now looking at the reactions that he get, that he gets even now of the glass breaking. And it's just kind of like a mild reaction. Yeah. Just a bunch of people. Yeah. Just got that shot value. Yeah, now it's like the glass breaks and he's getting like a... He gets a reaction so big the cameras are shaking. Yeah, this one is just like... And people are like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, yeah. But it's it's like, got, got beat up earlier. Yeah. <laughs> in the bathroom. Yeah, got, got hit, hit in the head with a golf club in the shitter, you know. But like I said, he's getting there, but he... It, Steve, Stone Cold's getting there, but he ain't Stone Cold yet. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Uh, But they get out there, um, and they just, um, 
they hit it and get it here and they start out quick. Um, they, they quickly wind up outside of the ring. Um, and they do, um, I called it this. It might be not what anybody calls it now, or it might sound stupid, but, and, and I know he didn't originate it, but, but they do what I call the Jeff Jarrett walk and brawl just from watching like Jarrett after he decided, like once he finally started getting into being like a, a main event star or whatever, does that make sense? A lot of Jarrett's yeah. matches are like that. Like, okay, we're going to wind up outside of the ring, we'll go through the crowd. We're not going to do a whole lot, but what we do is going to look impactful. And they brawl around the, they brawl around the crowd and it, it's just a back and forth thing. And, um, the the story of the match that they're building is that Brett is working over Steve's knee. And Steve has the knee brace. Um, then there's a little bit of footage of Paul Bearer being awesome Paul Bearer screaming, damn you, Undertaker, damn you, as they're loading him into the ambulance with his face burnt. Um there, there's a how do I say? It? There's a lot going on around this match, but if you actually break it down, it's actually a fucking great match. And um, yeah, what I put is I that that there's and they didn't get a they didn't get to have a long feud because Brett left, but it's kind of like when you think about like Hogan and Savage and Dusty and Flair. And and um, Sting and Flair, like these guys, were put on the planet by whatever puts us on the planet to fucking work with each other. Savage, yeah, like Flair and Steamboat, like these guys were put on this fucking planet to work with each other. Mm-hmm. Like when he everything. Put, uh, Brett in that shark shooter, so I was like, I even fought for that. Just recently wasn't it though. It's just like these guys were fucking made for each other. And if all of the shit wouldn't have happened that we're gonna talk about later on, I think this would have been thought of in the same regard as like um Austin and Rock and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like like if Brett would have stayed, this thing would have gone on for fucking ever and it would have been a bigger fucking talked about few than what it was. Um, I don't want to get too much into it because you guys are tired. I can tell. Sorry if you guys are bored. Uh, Not um, bored. No. Okay. No, 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 but what I was like, real quick though is, is who, who, favorite Steve Austin feud. What's for me? For yeah, me, it's, for me, it's Brett. It's Brett. Ninety seven is my favorite year in wrestling history. And it's it's the Brett feud, and and that's what I was gonna say is if Brett would have think about if Brett would have stayed in the WWF, okay, the Attitude Era would have happened. Uh, it would have been much different because you probably wouldn't have had Mister McMahon, obviously without the screw job. Um, but Brett, Brett would have been an integral part of that, and the Austin Brett feud would have been a huge part of that. Like Aaron said, this shit would have went on for years, off and on. You know, they'd have feuded with other people and stuff, but you always come back to it. It would have been. 
Also, Brett's career would have been longer because Goldberg wouldn't have kicked him in the fucking head. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like, it, it's not the same thing, but I think if Brett would have stayed, that Brett Austin feud, because it's, 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 it's like it now, like when you look at what we're going to be going into, that Brett Austin feud, I think, would have had the same effect that the Raven Tommy Dreamer feud had in ECW. Yeah, everything spawns well, off of things would have spawned off of it. Um, it's cliche, but I think when I talk about Austin, like my favorite Austin feud is Vince. I mean, it's cliche, and I know it's an easy way to go to, but it's like for me, that's mine because I was fucking fourteen years old. Well, up. and it's 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 year literally years of entertainment. Yeah, wow. this guy fucking. That, Tied him to a fucking wheelchair and put a fucking gun to his head. It's like this is fucking great, you know. But um, other than McMahon, Austin, I think it's Rock. Just because of, I I don't think Brett and Austin had enough time to just flesh it out. And then there would be uh, where Michaels and him lit up the mania. With Tyson as a special enforcer, yeah, that's that's really I good shit it. too. I really and, that and that's once again another another thing of circumstance. If Sean would have not been in the in the in the space and in the in the, where he was at that time in his brain and his his you know his addictions and everything, imagine how different that would have been. You know, exactly. it's it's always the what if. And but, you know the you know the funniest part, like wrestling, like wrestling's fake obviously but if you look at it, a real thing you know what the funniest thing about the um austin sean michaels shoot is what's that it's the only guy that wrestling if wrestling was real it's the only guy that steve austin was like after it was over was like yeah he was a cool guy i'm gonna hang out with him <laughs> like, you know what i mean like when he like they'd be drinking beers together and be like yeah like when they were shooting pool yeah and, yeah they were always just like the feud was over, so I was like, "Yeah, Austin was like, I'm cool with this guy. I'm cool with Sean. Yeah, I'm in San Antonio." I found it. It was ironic that nobody got bit by Mike Tyson, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll finish out this match, and then I'll let you guys go. Um, Austin ends up hitting a um low blow, a low blow on Brett, which gives him the offense. Um, by the way, Brett ended up taking off. Steve's um, knee brace, which is what I was talking about, was they're they're um, putting over Steve's knee, being fucked up. Um, Brett gets a superplex on Austin, which um, just a side note on it is I think everybody hits that. Like it, it's probably commonplace now, but that's still fucking one of the most impressive moves in wrestling. I think. I mean, nobody did it better than Barry, but the fucking superplex. That's a movie you watch and you're like, yeah. Like, you can tell them that shit's fake. They know how to land or whatever, but somebody hits me up with a fucking superplex. Like, if if one of you guys would hit me with a superplex off my deck right now, I'd, I'd be fucking done. Like, I have, to, I have to put in PTO for a week. Just, I can't smoke. Just, just crawl out to the garage, lay on the concrete. Yeah, I can't smoke a cigarette. I can't I even have your boss that shit. Like what happened? I got a super place off my fucking dick. 
how outlandish does that sound? <laughs> it's like golf clubs in the bathroom. Like, I know you did podcasts, but shit. <laughs> <laughs> but if somebody would just like, I don't want to say, like, if somebody would like fucking power slam you or whatever, you might be all right. Like, okay, I go. But if somebody would just superplex you, you'd be fucking done. It's just not like I just think that's a great fucking move, and it's impressive looking. And, and like when Brett did it, it was impressive looking. But like when somebody like Barry Windham, who's like six seven, fucking just slams a guy. I fucking love that goddamn move. Um, but anyway, Brett has a superplex on Austin. Um, Austin ends up recovering and gets a sharpshooter on Brett. Um. Which brings out Owen and Bulldog, but Austin breaks the sharpshooter before they can actually get in the ring. So there's no DQ on that. Um, so he runs them off, and then he ends up getting um, Brett back in the sharpshooter. Like, I want to keep my notes. I want to make sure I'm right. He ends up getting him back in the sharpshooter, and Davey ends up... Um, getting back involved and hitting Brett or not hitting Brett, obviously hitting Austin with a chair, which brings, um, the DQ and, um, you see it coming a mile away. Yeah. And it, it ends up with Brett trying to use the bell on Austin. Austin stops him, gets him in another sharpshooter. And it's just this big referee pull apart. And think about this. Just for just for a point of reference, this feud was so hot, and these guys were so good that you could do a disqualification finish in the main event on a pay per view, and the people still went home happy. Yeah, well, I mean, they- obviously you didn't watch it. God, like two or three of the matches out of there ended like, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody still went home happy because the booking didn't fucking suck. Yeah, and and, and we're over. Well, there, there's a couple dark matches, and we'll talk about those. We'll just briefly talk about those. But um, as I watched it, I was like, they kind of bookended the show. After I thought about it, because I was like, Brett saved Davey in the opening match and then Davey saved Brett at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it, end, it started with the Heart Foundation fucking over the faces and it ended with the Heart Foundation's fucking over the face, the Heart Foundation fucking over the faces and it was Brett saving Davey and then Davey saving Brett. And I was like, I don't know if that was intentional but I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. And and um as a pay-per-view, I was like I wasn't I wasn't mad that I watched this. I think it was pretty good. Other than that rockabilly Jesse James oh, shit. shit. This, this is a pretty <laughs> solid fucking show. So you'd yeah, think as a was... fan, as a fan, you'd be like, okay, that's done. But no, there's more. We're gonna <laughs> give you we're gonna give you a prize at the bottom of the cat uh, the fucking cracker jack box. Guess what it was? We get oh, Furnace and Lafon defeating the Godwins. And I then think I actually seen that on the results for that. And then the end, the, the main event, if you can call it that, is Triple H defeating Gold Dust. Boo! That's how they sent everybody home. Well, I can think of worse ways. So so 
Mark, I know you're new to the family here, so you probably haven't heard the majority of the shows. I am a fan of Dustin Rhodes. I am a fan of Triple H, but I am not a fan of Goldust versus Triple H. I don't know why. I just that feud never sat well with me. To me, they never. I just they just never. I don't know. It's just one of my pet peeves in wrestling. Like I do not like those two guys. I love them both individually, but I don't like them together. I don't know. Like to me, it kind of had that aspect that we got the, you know, the uppity nobleman versus the bizarre deranged, you know, out the norm person. And, yeah. And it kinda, it, to me, it kind of melted well. But I mean, I can see. I, I totally get what you're saying, and I know what they were going for. But for some reason, those two guys. To me, I think it was it just went too long. They, those two guys never meshed to me until I I I I I, I till the Tourette syndrome thing. That was like so we're going. Is that what he says? Cornbread. Huh? Say- cornbread. Damn it, cornbread. Yeah, but <laughs> no, that was yeah. They just I don't know. To me, they just never. It was and again, if if somebody else likes it, that's awesome. That's how I am. You know, like what you like. But right, Hunter and Goldust to me. I love them both, but never liked them together. Well, I mean, at, at this point in time, when all this was taking place, I was seven years old. So there you go. Uh, well, <laughs> I want to say that I would give this show, watching it, a um, a solid B minus, and I want to say that Mark Brew is the first guest on one of my shows that took the time to actually watch the show that I was about to talk about. Everybody else has been lazy asses. They've just been like, oh, let's just let Max... I've seen, I've seen this pay-per-view nine times in my I know. Life. Don't act like you, I've never seen it. You didn't watch it with fresh eyes. You didn't go, okay. Like I'd say every week, hey guys, this is what we're going to watch. If you want to review it, watch it or whatever when we talk about it nobody's ever been like, okay, I'm going to watch it with fresh eyes so we can, we can have a, a stay current and, and have yeah. an actual conversation. Yeah. About it. Everybody else is kind of half-asses it. You, you, you hold assed it. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I've been called a whole ass before. So. <laughs> I have too. So I'll, I gave it a B minus. You just watched it. What would you, would you agree with that rating or, or not? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be right there in the middle of B, or like just give it an even B, not a B minus or a B plus. It was uh, it was entertaining at points. I mean, all shows had their their downsides, but it, it took me back in in that place in time of me being a kid watching that type of shit. So, yeah, I just I, I thought it. it was I thought it was a very entertaining show, and like I said, I would have I would have probably put it higher than that if it wouldn't have been for the there was a couple shitty finishes that just kind of were like eh and then that fucking rockabilly Jesse James shit needs to go away but other than that I thought this was a really good show um, I like if, you could cha- if you could change stuff about it what would you change about it I would have got that fucking rockabilly Jesse James shit off of there and probably Given Rock and Savio more time, yeah, and I would have put one of them over clean. Yeah, that bullshit. Yeah, so so that's that's my analysis of this show, and 
Um, do you guys got anything you want to plug before we? Well, I was going to bring it up last week, but Mark was not able to join us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Um, join Mark for his new show here on the network, the newest show, Mark's Indie Spotlight. Two episodes in, you're doing great work highlighting the stars of independent wrestling. And Mark, if you want to talk just a little bit about the show before we sign off. Uh, basically, it's an interview to give the fans behind-the-scenes access of the stars on the independent circuit. And this week coming up, we have Killjoy, Kobe Max joining us. And I'm, I'm just having fun and trying to give the fans something new and fresh to listen to. Uh, I, I'm big, big involved with you know the independent wrestling here in Georgia, so... We, you know, I, I'm looking at a platform to showcase the talent, and thank you guys for allowing me to have that platform to do it. Oh, absolutely, and thank you for joining the team. And like I said, the show is great so far. And um, indie wrestling, um, I want to, not to, I don't want to sound like a, I don't want to sound stupid or whatever, but like the indie guys. Those are the guy, and I'm not disrespecting anybody in the in the WWE or AEW or anything like that. But the indie guys are the guys that we're talking about when you're like, "Oh, this is the shit that we liked when we were kids. This is the way it was." Those are the guys that are that are doing it. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. they don't have they don't have people telling them this is exactly what you're going to do in your match. It's they're out there figuring it out, seeing what works in front of a crowd, fucking okay, this worked in front of this crowd, but it ain't going to work in front of this crowd, or you're in the middle of the match, okay, this shit ain't, gonna, this shit ain't working what we mapped out. Um, I I just, part of me, like, I, I hear guys say, oh, res- wrestling ain't what it used to be. Well, it, 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 it is, but it's not what you're seeing on the Yes, the main- go, go to your local oh, independent shows. Yes, yes. Support, support independent support wrestling. Those guys. Support them. But also, don't turn on them <laughs> once they finally actually start getting right. <laughs> in good income. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, they finally got there. It's like, oh, the guy doing what I wanted him to do. It's like, still support that guy. If, if, if that was your guy on the indies and he finally gets to AEW or the WWE, still support him. Because that... Uh, classic, anybody, classic. Any, any, anybody that says that they didn't get into the wrestling business to make money and be famous is fucking lying to you. A classic example of that, and Aaron knows this, I was a humongous fan on the indie scene of Tommy End, who, as everybody knows, became Aleister Black, et cetera, et cetera. And the, I think the House of Black stuff on AEW is garbage. It's terrible. But I still watch his matches. Because I love to watch him wrestle. He's a fantastic performer. The booking of the House of Black, like, people like to make fun of the Papa Shango shit from 1992. House of Black, 2002. I'm just saying. But Tommy End is a fantastic wrestler. No matter what name he has. No matter what promotion he's in. So I'm going to support him. No matter how, like Aaron said, no matter how bad the booking is and the promotion he's in, that doesn't matter. One support, of my, support the athlete, support the performer. My biggest pet peeve is when somebody's like, that guy sold out. It's like, no, 
He didn't no, sell it. He's, he's, now, he's now making money in the profession that he chose. It would have been like, this is going to sound stupid, but eight years ago, I took a salaried position in the company that I work for. Okay. I, I work in retail. I was hourly for years. I was just an hourly associate, just busting my ass. Just being like, oh, I'm not making any fucking money. I'm driving our frown in a fucking 83 LeBaron, like hoping I make it to work, you know? And then they were finally like, hey, you've been doing a good job. We're going to make you a manager and we're going to pay you like 52 grand a year. And I was like, hell yeah. And then I signed it. You know, I took the job. It would have been like all of the people that I had worked with as soon as I signed or as soon as I accepted that job offer, just chanting at me, chanting at me as you I went, scrolled out. You scrolled out. Scrolled out. <laughs> out. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm actually making money now in the field that yeah. I know. You're like, I got keys. I got keys. <laughs> like the only thing I know is retail. That's what I know. And I'm good at it. And now I'm actually getting professionally paid for it. You know what I mean? So it, that might be off kilter or whatever. No, it's not. It's a, a job is a job. That's what these guys do. So and, right. and it's like working at damn Little Caesars, and you get an offer to work at Microsoft, making way more than you're going to make, you know, part time or full time at Little Caesars. It'd be a stupid decision not to go. With Microsoft. Yeah, you're like open the windows. I'm coming in. Yeah, yeah. like so. I just I support any wrestling. I, I I like all the guys. I shouldn't say all the guys, but the the. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I support it. And if there wasn't any wrestling, you wouldn't have the, the up and coming stars of the day. And wrestling would be dead. And it's fun going. I have more fun. I've had more fun going and watching like Heroes and Legends wrestling than I have going and watching WWE. You know what I mean? And I'm not even knocking right. the WWE. I'm just saying. If you want the the style of wrestling from back in the day of guys just going out there and seeing what sticks. Well, I mean, it's like we were discussing on my show. Uh, it might be a smaller scale than WWE and stuff like that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to you go to that show because you want to be interactive with. You want to have that interaction with that wrestler or, or manager or whoever it is that you know you like and you can you can get that more out of independent shows versus you know WWE or AEW. So I appreciate that and I appreciate you guys being on the show with me today and it went a little longer than I thought it would but I don't think it was bad so um just support everything that's going on in, in, in Nate's podcast network and Mark, welcome to the family, like Nate said, and I appreciate you guys being here today. Thank you guys for having me, and uh, I appreciate being able to come on here with y'all and being able to, you know, put out some content of stuff that's relevant to what I'm doing also. So. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. I'll let Aaron sign off because it's his show, and we'll see you next time around. All right, um, like I said, guys, next week we'll be talking about the fallout from Revenge of the Taker. I don't know when we'll see Paul Bearer again, but hopefully soon. And I just appreciate you guys joining us. Thank you.